0: sports radio 104.3 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors presented in part by honey smoked fish smoked salmon the secret is in the fire
1: This is Terry Wicks from Outdoors, and this is Ronnie Castellini sitting in for Terry Wicks from Today, and we are going to get right back to the phones and joining us in his usual segment, one of our favorite contributors to the show, Mr. Nathan Zielinski. Nathan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, Roddy. How about yourself? You know, I'm all fired up. I'm getting settled in here in the studio, but I'm excited to talk to you like I usually am. Nathan, what is going on here in the state? What do you got going on? There's too much going on, Ronnie. There is flat out too much going on. You know, uh, we keep
2: talking about it every week. It's been going on for about a month. But, I mean, between the the unbelievable fall fishing, you know, the combination of
3: great weather,
2: early spring, uh, fishing is just off the chain and then big game season. You know, it's pronghorn season. Uh, You know, our, our first archery season just wrapped up. Um, and then you have the, the elk and deer uh, season underway on archery equipment. So there's, uh, there's a lot of hunting to be done, dove opening yesterday, uh, and there's a lot of fishing to be done. So uh, I'm definitely uh, sleeping less than normal. So I'm going from my, uh, my normal four and a half hours to like my three hours uh, trying to take advantage of it all.
1: Now we are, what, one week out from muzzleloader season? Is that right? We are
2: one week out from muzzleloader. That's the thing, uh, uh, the topic of choice. You know, I would say that we are – we're on a very average season, you know, as far as the elk and deer situation, especially talking elk. Everybody wants to talk about the elk rut. Um, last year we had a, a very weird rut. The rut was slightly late, and the rut that happened happened really nocturnally due to warm temperatures. Uh, this year, everything's going to be in a very normal fashion, um, depending on where you hunt in the state of Colorado, if you are in elevation, when we say in elevation, we're going to say if you have uh, an area within the unit that you're hunting, if you have elevations of say. 10,000 feet or higher, you are probably experiencing rut conditions. You're hearing, uh, you know, the the start, the pre-rut of elk starting to bugle. Uh, you're definitely seeing bulls starting to gather their cows. Uh, if you're in that lower elevation, say that seven to eight, you are probably uh, three to five days away from that activity starting. Uh, but regardless, we'd love to see the signs of it just to show us uh, that it is going to be a, a solid, hard-hitting rut season. So I think everything is lining up to be amazing. Uh, with that said, I think this year we're gonna be prime time rut uh, conditions with a muzzle loader. So every year is different. You know, obviously the calendar years change, uh, obviously the animals are on their own natural cycle and really in muzzle loader, uh, being a nine day season uh, starting sometime in you know, the that, that first half of September. Um, can always be yes or no of hey is the rut going or is it going to be just a little early. Um, this year I think it's going to be prime time. I think the guys out there with the smoke poles are going to have a full nine days of a rut experience. So we're excited to see that. The the muzzle loading is is kind of we call it a revenge season. We always have two revenge seasons. You have the first rifle is a revenge season. You have the muzzleloader is a revenge season. There's a lot of bow hunters that are going to be in the woods, you know, for a couple weeks now leading up to muzzleloader, and you always have those couple of elk, and whether it's cows, bulls, or bucks um, that have eluded you, there's a lot of animals that have, you know, outsmarted the bow hunters. And when you get in there with a muzzleloader, you have a little bit of extended range. Uh, you have more capabilities of shot placement. Uh, there's a lot of uh, small advantages to, to a muzzleloader versus archery equipment uh, to where it really, really helps the harvest rate. Uh, and we love seeing that, you know, as much as you know, people talk about, you know, the, the harvest rate, Division of Wildlife or Parks of Wildlife should say, um, you know, we need to, to keep our animals in check. And I would say that the last. You know, five years in total, we have not met our harvest numbers of the animals they uh, anticipate and would like harvested. Uh, we hardly make those numbers uh, in a lot of situations. So it, it's great. I think we're going to have a very successful muzzleloader season. So everybody's
1: just kind of getting psyched up for that. Bugling elk are some of the coolest things to see. I mean, even if you're mm-hmm. not a hunter, Nathan, and you you just want to get up and you want to go up to Estes Park and check out the wildlife, it is very, very cool when you're up there in those big mature Bulls are moving their harems all around the place. Especially, they're just walking across the roads a lot of time up in Estes. <laughs> but they get out in the middle and they start bugling and calling and making all this cool ruckus. It is very, very cool. If people haven't ever heard that, if you're new to the state, you've never been around an elk that's calling. Um, it's it's pretty cool to hear, right,
2: Nathan? Oh, it's unbelievable. for an animal of that size, you know, you the you know one of the the most hunted animals are you know wildlife in the country as a turkey. You know, the spring turkey season across the United States is an unbelievable draw and people lose their mind for a turkey and the main reason a turkey is fun to hunt because it has the vocal aspect it, it gobbles at you people sure. lose their mind you know for someone who's never elk hunted but has turkey hunted it's that times a hundred you know all of a sudden you have literally a machine of an animal I mean I, I can't even describe to you how strong and how physical an elk is to, to maintain the lifestyle that they do and on top of that you throw an animal that you know, screaming at it, you know, high volumes and, you know, peeing on themselves while they're doing it. It's- there's, uh, there's nothing like that to have a bull, especially in close encounters. You get 10, 15 yards away from a bull, and he starts screaming. Uh, you know, if it doesn't make the, the hand on the back of your neck stand up, you're, you're in the wrong situation, or you, know, you better check your pulse and make sure you're alive because uh, there's nothing better than that. Um, and with that said, we're talking about muzzleloaders. We're getting everybody psyched for the season. And it really falls right along with the archery stuff, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about. So if you're, if you're not in the field before and listening to this, hopefully this will hit home for you. Uh, if not, hopefully you listen to the podcast. That. But right now, as we're in, again, we're going to say statewide, we're pre-rut, and we're just getting really into that rut condition. And in some situations, we might be five days away from uh, from really that rut condition for most of the elk hunting in Colorado. So, number one, don't overfall. We saw it again this week. I kind to travel the state of Colorado talking to hunters. Uh, getting some stats, watching the reports, um, and I still a lot of areas I see guys being really good. That the whole concept of if the elk are talking, you're talking. If they're not talking, you're not. But I still ran into a, especially a lot of the, the over-the-counter stuff. Guys were just really, really happy on that on the elk calls. Uh, you know, I mean, I saw a guy literally get out of his truck and he got on that bugle tube, And I think he bugled for every ten steps that he walked. You know, for every mile he walked in. I mean, he was uh, he was got to be short breath he was bugling so much and that's a situation where if the elk are not talking all you're doing is is making these animals call shy you're really damaging your hunt so going forth into the muzzleloader season you know, obviously can be a calling season um keep that in mind if the elk are talking you're talking if they're not talking you're not talking but also you know i think a lot of the muzzleloaders come in uh we have a lot of first-time muzzle loaders. we have a lot of guys that draw a muzzleloader only every three four or five years depending on where they're hunting um you know, it's really sought after tag and with that we want the muzzleloaders to go into a camp situation or a hunting situation with a little more stealth, I would say, than normal. Um, the main reason for that, I, last year, this is what really hit home for this topic, is last year I watched everybody getting excited for muzzleloader. Some of these people made camp a week ahead of time, which would be this weekend. They're out there setting their camps, cutting their firewood, um, getting ready, and other people are gonna come in you know, to camp on Thursday or Friday and actually to hunt Saturday as the opener. With all that said, I see so many guys that are not shooting their guns now. They're not shooting at a range. They literally pull into camp where, you know, the next morning they're planning on hunting out of camp, hunting in that area. And they're out there the night before, and, you know, they're having a good time, and they're shooting their guns, and they're really getting <laughs> set up. But you're just damaging, and all you're doing is making yourself work harder for these animals the next day. So you have a week left. You have seven days to prep. Cut your firewood at home or cut your firewood in one area and haul it into your camp where you're not running chainsaws. You know, think about the opportunity of shooting your gun beforehand. Really encourage people this year to have a, a lower impact camp. Um, and it's going to blow your mind at the more animals that you will see. So many people are, keep talking about how the animals are, oh, you got to go above tree line, you got to go way in. The reason we have to go high and the reason we have to go way in it's because of things like that. People don't realize how much impact we have. Slam in the corridors, listening to music, whatever. Usually it's the camp life that affects the hunting life. So the the kind of tip of the day is, you know, low impact. Shoot somewhere else. Cut your fire with somewhere else. But really, when you're in that hunting situation, everything from camping to hunting to hiking in and out, have a very low impact, and it's really going to increase your odds at the end of the day.
1: You know, that's outstanding advice right there. and that. Also, is kind of advice a lot of times that also will play in the angling world as well, you know. So you want to go ahead and start transitioning and talking a little bit of fall fishing now, Nathan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, this is a,
2: a perfect topic talking about uh, you know not ruining opportunity. We'll jump right into the, the fishing thing. We are kind of well, no, I wouldn't say we're done, but we are starting to see the uh, the tailing end of our top water pike bite. We've had uh, you know six weeks of an amazing top water pike bite. I mean, we have got a handful of 30-pound fish. And, I mean, if you haven't experienced that, fishing, buzz baits and, you know, spooks and all this topwater baits for a giant predator like a pike is literally second to none. It's it's a phenomenal way. But talking about making the most of your hunt in an elk situation, making sure you're ready, low impact, same type thing revolves in this. look up at spinning, and you might have a bay or you might have a shallow flat where you know the fish are at. And I see so many people that go, you know, 40 miles an hour across the lake they're ripping and they really pull up and they slam that boat into neutral. They stomp their feet getting on the front of the deck and they splash that electric motor in. And then you know, the first cast of these is not ready to take a, a half butt cast, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, flash the bait and then start reeling in and they get blown up and they're not ready and they miss it. Or they sure. don't catch fish because they came in, you know, rip roaring a hundred miles an hour.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Have some
2: stealth and think about every situation, you know, we always talk about opportunity, and, you know, Ronnie, you're a perfect example. You fished our ice tournament. Yep. So many people come into this tournament where there's you know, 500 people on the ice, and so many people will have an opportunity. They'll have a fish come in, they'll have a fish take the bait, and they don't catch that fish because they're not ready. If every angler can just pay a little more attention and execute more bites to landing more fish, it's unbelievable how your results will change. Everybody thinks you have to become a better angler when the smallest thing of executing a strike into a fish on the boat, let alone generally will increase your odds, you know, 30, 40% at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Talking a little bit about what you're talking about as far as kind of stealthy presentations and approaches, that sort of thing. I can give you an example of that as far as that going on right now in the angling world. On Horsetooth, for example, we're getting out on some of those submerged humps as the water is falling incredibly fast out of the lake, and there's definitely fish on those humps. However, if you get right on top of them on particular days and try to drop to them, they will spook out from under the boat faster than you can possibly imagine. I mean, you watch that jig fall into returns, and all of a sudden the graph goes just completely blank that tells me those fish are spooked those fish didn't want anything coming near them they blew out of there those same fish if you come back to and you take more of a stealthy approach and you stay off of the hump and you make real real good long casts at that hump then you're going to get those fish to bite they've been targeted all summer long they're used to those boats coming over the top of them they know exactly what a transducer sounds like or a a fish finder (laughs) i mean they can they could probably you know they know the boat before it's there nathan they know the deal and that's what you have to do to get more bites this time of year and especially to get those bigger fish to bite a lot of times is you got to be kind of stealthy about it when you're approaching those fish that have been pressured all summer long nathan
2: there is no doubt. We have a, we have an amazing you know, reaction. Bite. Same thing at Chatfield. And yesterday, I actually worked with our guests for for three hours on site imaging. And they're like, "Man, you know, why is this important?" I said, "For this exact reason. We have fish yep. in you know eight to twelve feet of water. If I run over them one time, whether it's running my big engine or my electric motor, it's done. It doesn't matter how quiet it is. It's done. Uh, so I can come to the side of those fish forty feet away." side scan it, I can look at it, I know exactly how many fish they are, I know where they are on that structure, and you make that long cast. And again, you know, going from catching one or two fish to 10 to 15 fish per piece of structure is a big difference at the end of the day. So the the stealth win everything archery hunting muzzle loading and fishing uh is definitely the name of the game and especially fall uh for sure especially in the fishing water's clarity is usually going through the roof right now we're stabilizing out and our water is becoming crystal clear after this weekend we're going to lose some boat traffic the second you lose that boat traffic your your fish start to all of a sudden become aware when it is around right now they've been bombarded so they get somewhat used to it and then coming up here this fall the second the boats start lessening and lessening. Uh, when a boat does get near
1: them, they really start to panic. So, man,
2: still sedan in the game this weekend, for sure.
1: Nathan, you have any other events or anything else you want to bring up?
2: You know, at the end of this month, we have a ton of stuff going on. Number one, we launched our Ice Addiction Series this year. Uh, So you can go to the Facebook page and go to our website and see all that. Uh, We have five events. We have three in Colorado, one in Utah, one in Idaho. We're excited about that. And at the end of the month here, uh, we have our walleye tournament at Chatfield, September 30th. This is going to be an insane event just for the fact that our shad population is extremely low uh and fishing is incredible so you know we're expecting each boat they should have 50 to 70 fish days at this tournament so we're really excited to see a lot of limits caught so september 30th walleye insanity october 1st don't bash the trash carp tour at lake arbor Uh, so again that's that sunday after the walleye insanity event so really excited about that go back to lake arbor uh we've usually been there in the summer but going back in the fall fishing should be incredible and the following weekend october 7th we're down at Pueblo for our last remaining uh, Bass Obsession event. So same thing, water temperature should be perfect uh, for that bass bite down there. So those three events are, are great dates for a lot of, of great fishing action. So really excited about the bite uh, timing up with those time of year and the water temperature. So uh, everything is available at tightlineoutdoors.com.
1: Tightland Outdoors. Hey, Nathan, are you going to have a presence out there at that Outdoor Adventure Expo they're doing out at Cherry I Creek? I will
2: be there. I will I will definitely have a presence at the uh, the Cherry Creek Park Expo,
1: sure. Perfect. And that's September 23rd and the 24th? That is it. Excellent. Nathan Zielinski, he is the man down here in this part of the world. He will put you on the fish, there's no doubt about it, or one of his guys will. And you're in northern Colorado, I'll do the same. So there you go, Nathan. Absolutely,
2: Na- we appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Nathan, I want to thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much. You have a great weekend and good good job on the
1: show. All right, folks. And you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors here on Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry
0: Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish, Smoked Salmon. The Secret is in the Fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.
1: This is Terry Works from Outdoors, and we are going to get right back to the phones, folks, and joining us, he's a local guide here, Mr. Austin Parr. Austin, how you doing this morning?
4: Doing excellent, Ronnie. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, you've been coming on a lot lately, Austin, and I think you're a good addition to the show. Uh, what do you want to talk about today, Austin?
4: You know, today we normally have been, you know, we typically do the the fishing report for for in town here, you know, as I'm out guiding on the water a heck of a lot, and we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. And talk about how to not only break down but actually fish a lake with a high volume of shad, which we see a lot this time of year.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a timely subject. There's no doubt about it. The little shad, the new ones from the years are just absolutely all over the lake. And even the adult, the bigger shad are starting to move around the lake. So there's no doubt about it. The lakes that have these bait fish in them, the gizzard shad, this is when the population is absolutely exploding and they're everywhere. But People definitely struggle at times to make contact with fish or to trigger bites in that kind of a scenario. So why don't you go through it a little bit, Austin?
4: Absolutely. So, you know, typically in, in the earlier part of the summertime, you're dealing with a lot of fish that are up on structure. They're they're hunting around for small crawfish, maybe some bluegills or crappie, or the occasional shad every once in a while. But this time of year, as you mentioned, all of those little small shad, they've hatched and they're large enough to be able to move out over open water. And when that happens, all of your your game fish follow them. And that can be anything from, you know, a walleye to a smallmouth bass. Even largemouth and crappies will school under them as well. So when you get these fish that are out in the middle of the water column, a lot of people, like you mentioned, struggle. So what I typically will wind up starting to do is uh, do a trolling presentation. And, you know, we do this a lot on our guide trips this time of year, particularly if we're in a lake like Cherry Creek. And when we do this, the biggest thing that you have to always consider is, is, trying to, to determine what depth these fish are, are sitting in. So utilizing a sonar, as usual with most of the applications that we wind up uh, actually out there fishing, uh, it, it's drastically important. So when we're out there, we're going to try and determine what level that these fish are sitting underneath these shadows and present a bait that is similar to the size of the bait fish that we're dealing with uh, right into their, into their zone
1: absolutely that's an excellent way of going about it I definitely don't do as much trolling as you do Austin but I do troll certain times of the year and a lot of the times of the year is exactly kind of like what you're talking about the reason I'm trolling is I'm trying to make contact with those bait fish for one so I'm scanning I'm utilizing my sonar I'm looking down I'm utilizing my side scan to look to either side of the boat and try to spot particular areas that I'm seeing larger concentrations of bait fish in and then I'm also utilizing electronics to look and see where the predators are and where they're associated to that bait fish so you know it's definitely a good way to kind of lock that down and once you kind of make contact with those fish and you realize maybe they're all kind of gathered up in a particular area of a lake and they're all underneath these giant balls of bait or something like that or they're all right on the surface then i like to back the boat off and get into those areas and cast to those fish do you kind of go about that same approach as well
4: i do and you know trying to locate those fishes is vital but you know Kind of going back to the trolling just for a second here. People a lot of times just try and you know they, they think about trolling just throwing lines out behind the boat and just putting the boat in gear, but it's it's really not about that. The details really really matter this time of year. So we a lot of times we'll start off with planer boards back and you know with line counter reels we're able to start off at typically a hundred feet, which I like. And and you know when you're when you're with a flicker shad or shatter, a little Salmo Hornet you can get that bait down approximately ten feet, depending upon exactly what size you're utilizing. Uh, you know, and you want to try and I start off in that area, and I'm always keeping notes when I'm out there on and when I'm trolling. So I will be determining which um, rod is getting hit the most, and then you can keep your notes so you can set everything back at the exact same depth. And when you wind up doing that, you can a lot of times catch more fish. But then, in addition to those planer boards, I'm also incorporating snap weight at times and also lead core applications to be able to not only uh, cover that top part of the water column but particularly if you say if you're up on a lake like Horsetooth and you need to get down to some fish that are suspended a little bit down to 30 or 40 feet of water which you guys are accustomed to um, breaking out some of that lead can work but then once we get those fish dialed in a lot of times we will stop throwing we will start throwing jigging spoons maybe even some plastics like a gulp minnow. but then also uh, jigging wraps or even some of the new johnny darters that came out last year from johnson fishing um, all of the above can wind up really targeting that fish Uh, that is looking for that bait fish
1: that's out there dying. You know, one of the other tips I'll give you folks is maybe if you're new to the state or you're fishing a, a new body of water that you've never been on before and you don't really understand what's going on underneath the water, trolling around a lake or a reservoir and trying to catch fish while you're doing that, but also paying attention to your electronics and marking things that you're seeing as far as structure on the bottom of the lake, drop off humps, you know, points that are there that you didn't know were there, things like that, submerged trees, things that you didn't really realize were there. When you troll around a lake, you're going to cover a lot more of it than when you're just kind of casting and fishing your way around the lake, and that's an excellent opportunity to mark that stuff. Then you can come back to that stuff, and you may be able to get on top of it and jig it, drop shot it, that kind of a thing, spoon it later in the year, that sort of a thing. It's a good way of going about doing that, and it's an excellent way of learning a lake. Right, Austin?
4: It absolutely is. And, you know, it not only gives you an opportunity to maybe find some fish that you can fish to today, but maybe you'll have a waypoint that you can come to, like you mentioned, later in the fall or even out in the, in the middle of the summertime period when those fish are really, really sh- uh, concentrated on that shallower structure. Maybe in another six, eight, ten months, you'll be able to get out there and, and still be successful on a spot that might have not had fish on it that particular
1: day. Yeah, I can tell you some of my key locations on a lake like Boyd. When that lake is not very, very full of water, then it kind of lacks in structure. You know, it's similar to a lot of lakes here in Colorado. It sort Absolutely. of looks like a bowl, you know, a figure eight. But there is far more structure on the bottom of that lake than people give it credit for. And the other big thing that you can utilize your electronics, if you have a good set of electronics, is you can see the transitions from a soft bottom to a hard bottom. What that tells me is there's a patch of gravel or something like that down there when I'm going over the top of it. Those little key gravel patches that are on a lake like Boyd, those are a very, very big deal when the water drops off and you can get something down to those little patches. You know, when we can grind a crankbait across some of those little gravel patches when the lake is low we absolutely hammer the fish because they're all stacked up on that hard bottom they're not on the real soft muddy bottom a lot of the times right Austin
4: I've seen that absolutely you know out of Cherry Creek I get the same comments from clients and even um you know customers that you know Cherry Creek's just a bowl out there how are you supposed to be breaking that down well like you mentioned there there are small little creases and folds in the in the bottom contour and when you can find those it'll stack fish i mean there's a couple of spots out there that are some of my absolute best spots in the middle of the summer and even later in the fall that literally are only a a one-foot change from the main body of the lake, and those fish just pile up on it. And then there's other spots, as you mentioned, that are a good gravelly kind of bottom. And even, you know, if if you're out there just just throwing in the summertime or whenever you're out there throwing, always paying attention to those small details on what you're actually feeling on the bottom is critical. And I found some of those by, you know, utilizing a, a live bait or even a swim bait that I'm dragging on the bottom But with a a nice super line like a fire line or a nanofill, you're able to actually pick up how that bottom feels. And you go from, okay, that, that bottom is kind of a muddy bottom. And then, okay, there's your gravel. And like you mentioned, many times those fish are in and around that harder bottom rather than staying out there on that main mud when they have a
1: choice. Now, if people are interested in booking a guide trip, why don't you tell them real fast what bodies of water you guide on and also give them some contact information.
4: So in town here, I guide on Chatfield and Cherry Creek, and we're seeing lots and lots of good fishing out there right now. There's a little bit more bait fish out at Cherry Creek than there are at Chatfield. So we're doing a little bit more of our summertime and even into some fall patterns out of Chatfield right now. But to get a hold of me, my phone number is 303-514-5546.
1: Austin Parr. He's been on Fishville Thinker a good number of times over the last few seasons. I know Chad's really enjoyed filming with you, and you've done a really good job on the show when you've been on there, and I think you're doing a good job here on the radio show. So I want to thank you for joining us, Austin. Thank you so much, Ronnie. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. And we are going to get it to a break. You're listening to Sports Radio 1043 The Fan.
0: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week.
1: All right, and this is Terry's tackle tip. And what I'm going to do, folks, is I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some new products from the folks at Berkeley that will be hitting the market here real soon. I believe the release date for these products I'm going to be talking about is actually September 11th. So those are going to be coming on the market here in just the next couple of weeks. And some of this stuff you're going to absolutely want to get your hands on. There's no doubt about it. First, let's talk about the new Fireline Ultra Eight Carrier Line. This is a new super line that the folks at Berkeley have come out with. This is a very cool line. And I'm going to let you know that we've got samples of this line really, really early in the year. Chad Lachance, Mr. Fishful Thinker, got a whole bunch of this stuff and he's been fishing with a bunch. I've got to play around with it a little bit as well. And we are very, very impressed by this new super line. Basically, simply what they have done is they've taken the line, the extruded type of line that they were making fire line with, or even the the more improved stuff, the nanofill, the really smooth, really kind of limp or soft and, and very, very round nanofill. They've taken that material and now they've made a braided line out of that. So they've taken that real thin material and they've actually gone through the braiding process and made a braid out of that extruded line base. What that does is that makes for an incredibly strong line per diameter rate. So it is a very, very thin line, which means you're going to be able to cast a very long distance with this line. They're saying that you can cast upwards of 10 or 15 percent longer with this line than the standard older fire line that they originally had come out with. That's a very big deal because you're going to gain casting distance, and casting distance is definitely a big deal with this type of line. The other thing that they're saying, and what we've seen as well, is that this line is incredibly abrasion resistant. They've, they're saying, it's 50% more abrasion resistant than the original Fire line, which is kind of incredible and very, very hard to believe because the original Fire line was one of the most abrasion resistant lines that are on the market. So that line was already the kind of line that you could drag over rocks or docks or up around tree stumps and stuff like that. Now this new stuff, this Ultra 8, this stuff is even more abrasion resistance because of the braiding process that they're doing with that fused line. So it's kind of a hybrid of the two style of lines. It also is going to be very, very sensitive, folks. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be incredibly sensitive, and it is designed to handle very, very well on spinning gear. That's a big deal because a lot of the super lines, a lot of the braided lines particularly, don't handle very well on spinning gear. They have a tendency to want to jump off the reel. They have a tendency to want to grab themselves and pull themselves off the reel, and you end up with those wind knots that just go blowing off the spinning reel. This type of line right here is designed not to do that, and the reports I'm getting from Chad who's definitely been fishing this line the most all year long, he hasn't had it blow up on him once so far this year. So the line is doing what these people are saying. Now, in this line, they're going to put it in two colors. They're doing a crystal and a smoke, and they're going to have it at 125-yard spools, 300-yard spools, and 1,500-yard spools. Personally, I like to buy the larger amounts of spools, but I suggest people buy the 300-yard spools. If you buy the 300-yard spools and those run $39.99, you can buy, put a hundred yards on three different reels off of that one spool by just putting some backing behind your line. So I like to run mono backing, and then I'll put about a hundred yards or so of that super line on top of the backing in order to fill my reel. That is an outstanding thing. That line is really going to be revolutionary. People are going to love that line. Now they have a few other really cool products that are coming out as well. The next one I want to talk about is the Snap Jig. I know over the last few years, there has been a kind of a, a resurgence of people utilizing jigging wraps to catch walleye's and to catch smallmouth and things like that. Um Nathan's guys have talked about it a whole bunch down there. We do quite a bit of it Northern Colorado as well, is ripping those jigging wraps and letting them fall, casting them out, not necessarily just working them vertical, but actually casting them out and ripping them up and snapping them like that. This snap jig is a new jig that they have come up with, and basically what they've done is they've taken a jig head and they've taken that plastic fin that is on the back of of something like a jigging wrap and they have made that part of the jig head. So now it's a jig head that you can put a little piece of soft plastic on as a trailer, but it's going to glide and slide and kind of have that whole cool falling action of the jigging wrap. You'll be able to fish this thing vertically, straight up and down. I think it's really going to shine through the ice. There's no doubt about it. You can hook anything on the back of this thing you want, but it's designed specifically to really hold the gulp minnows or hold the new power bait max. Sent little minnows very, very well onto the jig. It has a very cool collar on it, and that's a big deal with jigs, folks, uh, especially with the gulp products. The standard barb jig that you see on a lot of jig heads does not do a very good job of holding on to something like a gulp minnow. This has the upside down plunger style jig head on it, so this really allows the gulp to adhere to that jig head and you're going to be able to cast that thing out there and rip that thing up and down vertically or snap jig that or yo-yo that thing. I think this thing is going to be an absolute killer for the walleyes. It's going to be great on the smallmouth and when we get into ice season, I think the trout are going to absolutely blast it through the ice, so that's a good product to look at for. One more that I just kind of mentioned that I want to go over real quick is the Power Bait Max scent line of products that they have come out with this is a whole new line of products for for the power bait for berkeley what they've done basically is they've taken their two products which is power bait and the gulp product and they've come with a way to combine them so now they're going to have a soft plastic style bait a bait that is soft plastic that's very very durable but very soft and stretchy as well and that bait is actually going to release scent from it as it's being fished like the gulp products does The thing with most of the standard PVC style soft plastic baits out there is that the scent doesn't really necessarily get into the water column. It's more about the fish coming up and biting it, and then the scent kind of allows them to hold on to it. Well, this new product is going to do what Gulp does, which is release the scent into the water column. So, fish are going to smell this thing from a distance. It may trigger strikes that you're not going to get in other circumstances. It's definitely going to be a product that fish are going to hold on to to the point where you may have to worry about them swallowing these baits more than just holding on to them. actually hooking these fish Uh, a couple of the products that I would be looking out for in this new max set lineup is the flat nose minnow it's very very similar to the gulp minnow has a little bit different front design to it that's made to go on and do a drop shot or press real tight right up to a jig head Uh, that minnow is definitely going to be an outstanding product and Chad's caught a bunch of fish on that already this year the other one that has done really really well for us in northern Colorado so far this year uh, is the general which is a Stick bait type presentation, so it's a soft plastic stick bait, kind of just a cigar-looking piece of soft plastic. That thing right there with that new max scent and this new formula that they, they've come up with, the fish absolutely love that thing. The largemouth are absolutely crushing that up around the docks and up around the mats. We've done really, really well on that product. So take, you know, take some time when you're out in the tackle store and, and look for these new products. Like I said, they'll be on the shelves here in the next few weeks, or you can get them online here in the next few weeks. I think you're going to like all of those products. So we're. To go to a break. You're listening to Sports Radio 1043. The fan,
0: you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish, Smoked Salmon. By the the secret is in
1: the fire. I get to Phoenix. This is Ronnie Castelloni. I'm sitting in for Terry today, and we have one more segment. We're gonna go right back to the phones, and joining us, Mr. Robert Haggery with Pyramid Fly Company. Robert, how you doing today? Ronnie, we're doing great. How about yourself,
3: sir? How's the oh, morning?
1: I'm doing all right. You know, having fun in here in the studio, sitting for Terry while he's up in Minnesota doing a bunch of fishing. He says it's really, really vital research he's doing up there, but I think he's just goofing off personally. But Pyramid Fly Company, Robert. Why don't you tell folks all about Pyramid Fly Company, and let's tell them where this Pyramid Lake is.
3: Pyramid Fly Co., uh, we're your complete outfitter. We are on Pyramid Lake, Reno, Nevada. And Pyramid Lake is home to the and cutthroat trout, your world's largest cutthroat trout. And as we say, the big fish, are record's 42 pounds out there. Back in the early day, fish getting up 50 to 60 pounds back then, they rejuvenated the strain. So now we're seeing the 20 and 25-pound fish.
1: Yeah, this and is a the- this is a cool fish, right, Robert? I mean, that the, the, the Lahontan cutthroat is the fish, right? That's the claim to fame for that lake. And that was a fish that was thought to be extinct. It was a native fish to that lake. And then it, uh, the water levels, because of a dam project, from what I understood, dropped the lake to the point where those fish were no longer able to reproduce. And, you know, the infinite wisdom, they started sticking just other kind of trout into that lake. And then eventually they figured out, wait a minute, wait a minute, we need to get the Lahottens back in there. And somebody found them. Actually, a guy from CSU, a doctor from up at CSU. I guess he was somewhere in that part of the world and got onto a little creek and found these little cutthroats in that creek. Isn't that right, Robert?
3: Yes, they did. Dr. Richard Banke up on Pilot Peak, uh, eastern Nevada.
0: Yeah, they found this.
3: Found and brought them in, and they've been working on them. This is our 11th year with the hatchery project on the lake, and they've taken off. I mean, you go from a fingerling to 25 pounds plus, within, let's just say, 8 to 10 years is pretty crazy. Now, uh, we're so fortunate.
1: Describe this lake. If people haven't seen this lake or ever been to this lake, describe it for them, Robert.
3: Pyramid Lake, approximately 34 miles long, 14 miles wide at the widest point. It is surrounded by tufa rock and sand. We don't have the vegetation there. It's mainly sand. And the depths, max depth is going to be 375 feet. The depths of that you're fishing are roughly roughly 5 feet to 20 feet. And the unique thing about this place is we're catching these fish from the shore. So there's no boats needed. There's ledges, and these fish will cruise these ledges, and we just present our offerings right off the ledge, which comes into why we use ladders. Everybody asks us, why do you use ladders? Why do you use ladders? (laughs) The ladders. Yep, ladder chairs. And we use a 6-foot ladder. Or a lap, customized ladder chairs, because you have to sometimes walk 50 feet, 100 foot, out onto the ledge. And then you place up your chair, and you start casting. And a lot of times, we're casting in heavier water. So, you know, waves, one foot, two foot. And so if you're up on your ladder, it keeps you up out of the water. It can get you to cast right to your fish. Because we're fishing drops. that, so Like I said, it'll go 20 feet.
1: Now this isn't something that you guys came up with as far as the ladder deal. My understanding is that the now, now this lake is on a native Indian reserve and uh from my understanding is that 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 tribe used to kind of build ladders themselves back in the day and that was kind of how they targeted those trout way back when.
3: They did. They definitely did and then you know anglers started using milk crates and then it went to little step ladders to the customized ladder chairs that there are now and If you haven't fished a ladder, it's quite interesting. It takes a little bit. uh, Once you fish a ladder, you're going to want to use it at your lakes because you can get out to the fish. Sure. And it's just a unique experience there. It really is. Uh, The crowds, there's not really crowds
1: there. It's a giant lake, so you can definitely get away from people, right? I mean, it's huge. Most definitely.
3: It's Ronnie, we all love fishing. We all love to get out onto our own different areas. This lake enables it. We're on the lake every day. Right now, the season's closed. It will open up October first, and the guys have been cruising the shorelines looking, looking for the bait fish because that's where we're going to be throwing. October first, we're going to be throwing streamer patterns.
1: Sure, sure. And
3: getting these bait balls. These these bait balls are right next to the shoreline.
1: Yeah, it's a particular and, kind of chub that's in that lake, right?
3: Yes. you got two bait fish populations. You're going to have the kweewee, and you're going to have a tui chub. The two each up smaller than the Kweewees, Kweewees will get bigger. Uh, The bait fish, I just, if everybody can look at the bait fish video.
0: I saw it. That
3: we have on our site. If that doesn't get you excited not been
1: well. Yeah, very, very cool footage. One of the things is a lot of times this lake is crystal clear, so you can see these bait fish moving around the banks like they're talking about, and they took some videos from some drones, it looked like to me, and got some vertical footage of this stuff, and you can see this bait getting pushed up and down the bank, and you can see these giant and cutthroats come blasting up through the schools of bait as they're feeding on that stuff. That's the kind of stuff you're looking forward to. Now, the season, you mentioned it, it opens in October. Let people know how long the actual season Season is there on that lake and give a description you know what are the prime times when can you expect to come to the lake and catch numbers and when would you want to come to the lake and try to catch the biggest fish that you may catch all year
3: season is october 1st september 30th october is a very good month we say smaller fish 10 pounds uh, congregate together with the smaller fish in the five pound range starting towards november november and december the big fish Packed together and they start cruising together, and that's when we got a lot of our 20s, our 22 and our 24 pound fish.
1: And you're pound tripping, fish, freezing. folks, not inches, pounds of fish, 22 24 pound cutthroats. Behind you, <laughs> Eric, 8 a.m. Rise.
3: All hey right, guys, we're out on the water. I got some people fishing hoppers for some rainbows and browns.
1: <laughs> uh. Right. So, now, uh why don't you uh, tell folks real fast, you know, once again, where's the, where's the lake located? Where are they going to fly into if they're thinking about coming to that lake from Colorado?
3: What you're going to do is you're going to fly into Reno. Great airport, very easy, very convenient. And expensive and to fly gonna...
1: into Reno, too, out of Colorado, from what I've looked at.
3: Yes. Very simple and pretty cheap, $275 round trip. And then it's 30 miles northeast of Reno is Pyramid Lake on the Paiute Indian Tribe Reservation. We operate out of the only lodge on the lake, which is Crosby Lodge. And we have everything for your needs. What we do is we just want you to fly in. We'll come pick you up, bring you to the lodge, and let's get you on fish. I want you, from the minute you land, two hours later, I want you into a fish. That's our goal on these fly-in trips. When you guys fly in, we want to get you immediately out onto the water. We're just excited as any angler we bring out. It doesn't get old, especially with this fishery, because you don't know what that next fish is going to be. Will it be that 30-pounder? That's the whole thing. Will it be? Who's going to get that 30-pounder this year? We are all stoked for it. With, our water has come up 10 feet since January, and it was at the lowest since 1982. So now we have 10 new you know, feet of water that hasn't been there. So these fish are just coming into shore more and more. The drop-offs are closer to shore. And the fish we're seeing right now, we're seeing 10 to 20 pound fish, five foot off the shore. So this new influx of water really made this lake get healthy. It really did. So we're looking forward to it. October is a fun time. It shouldn't be missed for numbers. As we all know, February, Actually, uh, Valentine's Day on is phenomenal for numbers. And you can look at, there's times we're catching 40, 50 fish per person. Awesome. And a lot of that, that's uh, going to be nymphing or balanced leeches and balanced bait fish.
1: All right, we're running out of time, Robert. Tell people where the website is and how they can get a hold of y'all.
3: Pyramidflyco.com. Give, get a hold of us on there. Social media, Pyramidflyco, or one eight seven seven pfc flies F-L-W-Y-S. We'd love to get
1: our Colorado people out there, and let's have some fun, everybody. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Robert. Thank you, Ronnie. Take care, everyone. All right, folks, and that is just about gonna do it. I wanna thank Terry Wickstrom for having me in studio while he's up north catching a bunch of fish. I wanna thank Karen for her, you know, taking care of me and putting the show together with me. And I wanna thank the guy behind the glass back there for picking me up and making everything run smooth. You've been listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors here on Sports Radio 1043 The Fan.